This episode of the Drunken Taoist is brought to you by Harry's. For guys like you who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, go to harrys.com and get $5 off your first purchase by entering the code DAO, T-A-O, when you check out. It's a little box right there, a discount code, T-A-O. Click it, save, and shave. Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Headquarters of the future capital of the free thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, an extended interview with two of our favorite guests, kind enough to pay us a return visit fitness guru Dr. Mark Chang and Datsasura founder Chris O'Dell, as we discuss finding your passion, the evils of planned obsolescence. The value of slowing down and smelling the roses, and the simple fact that you can't shoot a cannon from a canoe. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 65 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Here we are again. Another awesome episode. Tonight, a double interview. Dr. Mark Chang and Datsasura founder Chris O'Dell join us. And we've got a ton to get through. But before anything else, this is Daniele Bolelli. Hello, 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 hello. I hope you guys are doing well. Let's start cranking down on... What shall we start with today? Well, let's start with our friends at Harry's.com, a fantastic company who makes their own razor blades, offers them to you at factory direct prices, and gives you free shipping to your front door for 15 bucks your set. So guys, go to Harry's.com, pick out the Truman set, the beginner's box, 15 bucks, shaving cream, razors, aftershave lotions, a couple of extra blades. What more could you hope for? Keep you nice and clean. Harry's.com. And be sure to put Tao, T-A-O, in the referral box to get some money off. Beautiful. Check in the episode notes. And in the episode notes, of course, you'll find the links to our regular sponsors who have been with us for a long time. Datsusara with all the possible hemp gear you can find. It's uh, You could pick bunch of nasty things that screw up the environment or pick up stuff made of hemp which is as good as it gets and it seems like that um, large backpack is the most ultimate thing to carry a computer and some yeah. clothes on an airplane and still be carry on it's a fantastic size you know you're still gonna pull the computer out but fantastic stuff on it.com o-n-n-i-t there's the usual gamut of products from alpha brain being the sort of flagship product of on it bunch of other supplements, all the kind of strength training, sporting equipment, DVDs about working out, the special foods, there's the whole range of products that Tony carries, check it out, and of course the great shirt design, shirt design t-shirts, which it's not just t-shirts actually, there's a lot more to that, 
his uh, offerings with the wildest artwork on the planet shows up you know new designs are produced constantly so even if you think you know your shirt design stuff check it out from time to time there's always new stuff and last but not least Please join almost 200 of your fellow listeners who have given over $25,000 to support others around the world through Kiva.org. It's that easy. Help some folks out. Join us. Uh, Let's make this an awesome thing. And that's it. So without further ado, let's get rolling. Okay, guys, back for another episode. We got two guys who have been here before, but during different episodes. The one, the man himself from Datsusara, he has been in hiding for a while. We got him back. He's tied to a chair right now. We're about to apply electrodes to his genitals to make him speak, because last time (laughs) he was slightly overpowered in the course of the discussion. There was uh, not a lot of opportunities for him to jump in, but we shall today. Mr. Chris O'Dell, very welcome. Thank you. Honored to be here. And straight from a whole way away in Venice, California, at least <laughs> four miles from where we record, uh, Mr. Mark Chang. Welcome to the Drunken Taoist. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be back. What are you guys doing together? What um, I don't mean together, together. I'm not implying any sexual thing here, but you know, no, we make like, eye contact. Yeah, it's fine. okay. <laughs> no, what's the? How did you guys connect? Because this, is, by the way, is happening not because we are putting them in the same room, but because they are friends. They are training this morning together and everything else. So how did that happen? How did you guys? I kind of dig this whole thing of like when I know people and then suddenly they connect with each other. I'm just like, oh, small world. This is sort of fun. That is true. How did it play out? Actually, you, you remember better than me. Well, you sent me an email, and I, you know, yeah, responded, and that was that. So, but and then I met, and then, of course, when I realized you guys are friends as well, and I think, I'm trying to remember when you reached out to me, uh, just to... Yeah, I think it was a, f- a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. uh, if memory serves me correctly, I think I, I first heard about Tatsusara because of Daniele mm. in the podcast. And so when I looked at the gear, I was like, this all, like, just from a visual level, it looks really cool. From the description, when I read that you were using hemp as the predominant uh, fabric in, 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 in manufacturing the bags and the ghee and everything else, I was like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Like, you're, you're using a, you're basically not only making something cool, but it's a green product. Um, environmentally friendly green product. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I got to find out more about this. And then, uh, I had an idea that I wanted to explore a little bit as far as uh, manufacturing and sent you an email. And much to my shock, you wrote back with explicit instructions on do A, then do B, then do C. And then it was like, fuck. Usually when people, uh, when you ask someone uh, just general, even general advice on on how to produce something, if if they if they can perceive you in the slightest way as a competitor, usually mm-hmm. it's radio silence. Yeah. You are totally the opposite. So, yeah, that's one thing that um, uh, it's. I, I went on a rant on a previous episode about people who don't reply to shit that drive me insane. You know, <laughs> when you call people or when you email people and they're just 
dead silence on the mm-hmm. way back and I'm just like god damn it did you get the email because then you get yeah. me thinking about whether you got the email whether you just hate my guts whether what it is and I hate it's like a lot of wasted energy mm. so there's something so wonderfully refreshing where people actually do what they say they are gonna do it's like customer service in a company or in this case is a private thing you sending you an email on a personal level just yeah oh I received it I reply what a strange concept it's so simple and yet it's um, it's almost sad that we rel- we notice it as a good thing when people yeah. do it because that's oh yeah apparently it's very rare i mean I, I get a lot of people talking to me and online i mean like there's a thread recently on reddit about how great the customer service has been with dot susara and it it always takes me back because people are like oh my bag broke and you helped me and you fixed it i love you so much and i'm going well isn't that that's what i'm supposed to do right, right. like i took your money i gave you a thing that's supposed to last and hold up and 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 yeah if it breaks i'm, I'm gonna you're covered i mean i'm not i don't I don't. I, I just don't understand. It shocks me. It really, really shocks me that people aren't just, you know, doing what I think is just the minimum yep. right thing to do, you know. And uh, yeah, you're a terrible businessman, man. Apparently, yeah. And when you look at my books, that I do get people look at it. Sometimes investors that are interested, in whatever, and they're like, "Where's all this going?" I'm like, "Yeah, because I take care of people. I mean, right. it's, you know, I'm making enough money. I'm comfortable. It's always growing a little bit." And and that that's more important for me because I can sleep at the end of the day knowing that nobody goes to that nobody else is going to bed feeling like I screwed them. You know? Right. And no. That's that's you know that that's critical to me. I, that's more important than you know all the money in the world. I'm not I'm not doing the yes. I want to make money. I want to make an existence on this planet where I can survive for the service I'm providing. But I you know people need to never feel like they got screwed. By what I'm off, you know, by what they purchased her on, you know. What a sweet human being! Can you See, that shouldn't that? be that sweet. That should be so simple. I know it, it should yeah, be. No, it's true. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that kind of integrity—I mean, really—that kind of integrity and ethics <clears throat> is such a rarity mm-hmm. that the fact that you're so clear about it makes you an anomaly. Yeah, again, it's, it's a bizarre. sad commentary on humanity, but really um, but at the same time, hey, good that you got it. Yeah, so, thank you. I mean, but, yeah, I guess in some ways I should be thankful because that that makes us stand out, and you know, and at least somebody's somebody's doing it. So, and so from yeah. there, you guys started the conversation, and um, and today you have been. Uh, you're getting a full uh, kettlebell instruction. Yeah, from... and then Mark's just so generous. Like every time I popped up, even on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, I, I jacked up my hand in jujitsu and or working around the house, and he's immediate. He's just been so so nice. I mean, I he just automatically like, hey man, he calls me up. It's like Facetime. Let me show you how to fix this, and here we can we can do to diagnose it. Just super super nice human being. So. Uh, yeah, and like I, somebody's that nice to me. I'm like I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna hang out. Sure, you, you, you know, you can offer your time and teach me how to do some, you know, kettlebell stuff properly. Fucking great, you know. So yeah, just kind of gone from there. Isn't that? A, I mean, really, when you think about it, it's so simple, right? It's like you are really nice to people. They are really nice to you. Everybody's mm-hmm. life, the quality of everybody's life, is made a little easier, a little better. Not rocket science, not yeah. complicated, just very... And yet it's a, oh, wow, can you believe it? This person is so nice because they are doing things that everybody should do, except that they are one in a hundred. It's like, that it's is true. so strange. Yeah. At the same time, the reason to celebrate it when it's there. Fucking A. I mean, the golden rule is such a mystery to people yeah. that it's like, you know, we've, it's, we, we all grew up hearing it as kids, mm-hmm. right? Or at least we should have sure. in yeah. some form. Mm-hmm. But... 
when we actually have the chance to put that into practice in real life, it's amazing to see how shocked people are when that, like, oh, you know, I did something nice and I didn't get shafted. Yep. And I think that's kind yeah. of, a, you know, the sad commentary on society. Like, we've allowed companies, we've allowed people in positions of authority, we've allowed the media, we've allowed whatever to shaft us so often that we grow we grow so cynical. Yep, of course. And we're expecting that. So, you know, like when I shot Chris that email, not only did he reply, but he replied with, with high detail. And then, you know, just in other random little interactions and the couple times that we got to meet face-to-face before that, everything was cool. You know, I, I really enjoyed the time I got to spend with him. Vibing with him was good. And then it's like, okay, yeah, sure, shit, let's hang out. Like he yep. mentioned, I think in a post, you said something along the lines of, I really want to get back into shape, but I don't want to get hurt again. And I was, and I was like, well, fuck, that's that's that's, that's what I do, baby. That's <laughs> so, Mr. Yeah. Chang's territory, that's right it. there. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Mark, I, okay. I do think it is terrifying what you mentioned, though. That it has reached a point where when you do something nice for somebody, the shields go up. I mean, somebody's putting a dollar and seventy cents of gas in their tank, and you're like, look, man, I can give you ten bucks if you need it. It's not. They wonder where the other, you know, shoe's going to drop. Right. Mm, right. True. Well, and, and that's almost every trip of the train. There's never like, would you really? Thank you. You know, that's all you really need. Mm-hmm. I've been there before yeah. where you forgot your wallet. You don't know. You've pulled every penny sure. you can out of your car. Yeah. And generally someone will help you. Yeah. But you, it's it's the insanity that it's like, oh, well, what do you want from me? I'm sucking yeah. your dick. Yeah, you right. Know, it, I wonder sometimes if that, if that has anything to do with the country that we live in. If like another it has country, everything to do. With it the seems we like live in. it, right? I, I mean, think we produced it. Yeah, this we're chase where kind of like you got to get to the top. Yes, and, and everybody's kind of put themselves else. on a pedestal now, so right. I can't be bothered. And how dare you? What you're insulting me by helping me? Mm-hmm. That's that's. I think part of right. that comes around because of the end justifies the means. Yeah. Right? You know that whole line, like the end justifies the means. People just start parroting that shit. And they don't realize that yeah. okay, for the short run, that's a valid strategy. If you're in if you're in survival mode sure. and you are either going to fuck someone over or die mm-hmm. right then and there, okay, maybe the end justifies the means. But that's not sustainable strategy. No, it's nothing to build a society on. I mean, I'm with you, man. The do unto the others is the rule, and if right. we would follow it, we'd have an amazing planet. But instead we're in a situation where we very well might be explaining to our children, well, why aren't there any more tigers or elephants? What <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you take care of that for me, Dad? Yeah, and, I mean, look at look at all the shit that's been happening at, like ever since ever since the Gulf, the big Gulf oil spill in the in the Gulf. It's like there, okay, there's a shit ton of oil that that leaked out, and then we applied you know emulsifiers. Yeah, and now all of that that oil is so scattered out that now we can't clean it up, and it's showing up on a molecular level inside of fish and shit. Well, like, I also saw that the, the, the dispersants were worse than the oil. Absolutely. That the oil is of the earth. It can mm-hmm. handle it. There are things in existence that are at least going to break it down in its time. But when we spray all this mysterious shit on it... To get it out of sight and out of mind. Yeah. but It's not doing anything. It's just making it sink and break apart. Mm-hmm. But now it's in the food site. It's in the food chain. So now, like, right. whether it's the plankton eating it, whether it's the crawfish eating it, whether it's, like, wherever the fuck. Yep. Next stop. Well, we're eating well, it. <laughs> here is one thing that interests me. In terms of that cultivating kindness, cultivating an attitude where you do help other people make their life easy, hopefully they help you. I think part of it comes from uh, fear that people are not that way and are maybe hesitant when somebody else is that way, they are a little weirded out Mm -hmm. because we're so used to this sense of somebody's going to take advantage of you, somebody, kindness, 
equal weakness. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you are kind, it means you make yourself vulnerable, which means somebody is going to take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, you know, it clearly does happen, right? So it's not just yeah, an sure. unjustified fear. There is a reason for that. It does happen. Mm-hmm. At the same time, because you don't want to become somebody you wouldn't want to be because you fear that somebody may take advantage of you because that's already working inside of you, right? You've already fucked yourself over by becoming an uglier person and you could be because you're worrying about somebody else stuff. Mm-hmm. To me, in some way, the idea of cultivating kindness needs to go hand in hand with the idea of cultivating self-confidence and strength. Absolutely. Sure. Because you want to take it? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that's spot on. I mean, uh, who's the... F- philosopher that said um that which normally passes for um tenderness or kindness is actually weakness mm-hmm. true tenderness really requires strength yep um mm. i can't remember who who said that something yeah. along those lines and i'm painting hmm. that in broad strokes that's cool but it's it's true like if you're if you want to be kind to someone and you do a, a kind deed but you're expecting something in return it's not a true kindness yeah mm. your end game is is too short like if you are coming from a place of true strength Mm-hmm. You can do something kind, and it's like whether they appreciate it or not, you couldn't give one single fuck. You just want to do something good because you think this is something that will be good for them. Mm-hmm. And whether they appreciate it, whether they reciprocate, whether they whatever, if they talk shit about you, whatever. You mm-hmm. just did your best. You know you did your best. Um, and you did your best from a place of genuineness. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because it makes it easier at that point. Because you don't feel that shit. If I open the window, then somebody can break me into. You feel, in some sense, that you can't hurt me. You know, yeah. there's nothing you can do will mm-hmm. be. So I gladly give for free because I feel I come from a position of strength where I don't feel that that can come back to bite me in the ass. Yeah. Or maybe even if it can, surprise, I'm totally willing to pay and I don't right. have a problem with. Yeah. It's a very different story, clearly, if somebody comes from a place of weakness where they feel that they are not ready to pay the price or that they do feel that they can get horrendously hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, so to me, like cultivating that attitude emotionally of not ever feeling like a victim, not giving in to victim status, not... Uh, and also partially is an internal feeling, but partially is also kind of building the muscle, that internal character muscle to... Mm-hmm. not be in that place where other people action can break you in a really bad way yeah. now we are all affected by other people because otherwise you know you would haven't wouldn't be sensitive you don't have the sensitivity necessary but at the same time there's a difference between feeling like oh that was really fucked up and feeling like oh that killed me at the core i opened myself that's why to mm-hmm. me it's like when people are um like there are ways in which I'm a horrendous wimp, right? There are a lot of things that I'm scared of and I'm really not that brave about. But when it comes to emotional stuff, I don't have, I have zero, like the typical thing that a lot of people have about showing vulnerability or showing the real emotion, showing the real self. None of them, people think, oh man, you're so brave in that. It's like, I'm not brave because it doesn't scare me. So there's no bravery involved because it doesn't, it's not yeah. something that troubles me the least to just right. be 100% upfront. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that there's something there about what do you guys think is that cultivate that place where somebody gets to feel that way, which then in turn make it easier to be kind to other people because you don't feel they are taking away from yourself. Right. Well, I mean, I've definitely worked on that in a lot of ways in my life. And I know... Even I think I worked on it first in some ways in my in my romantic relationships mm-hmm. where I I just 
for years I'd put myself out there and then somebody would, you know, turn it on me and I'd feel, oh, so hurt, my heart's broken, I'm a mess for ages. But after doing that long enough, I kind of built up like a muscle for it or something, you know, confidence where I said, you know what, I'm going to tell somebody I love them yeah, at, you know, three weeks in or something, which I think I did with my current wife, which scared the hell out of her. Right. But you know what, I just throw it out there now. I just yep. dive in because also on the other side, when you do that, I think if someone comes back at you then and tries to screw you, you immediately see what they're all about, which I find is interesting, and you can use that in other relationships as well. You know, just go, all right, I'm going to throw it out there, see if this person tries to screw me. If they do, well, then I know. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and if you come from a place of strength, yeah, then you're not, you're not vulnerable. But yeah, for me... It was just it was just doing it enough to just say all right I'm st- I'm not going anywhere you know I mean they can keep you know nailing yeah. me and coming at me but it doesn't really change how I feel you know and just to just to persevere with that and I think in that regard there's something to be said for um, being in the mental space being in that place where you don't come from a place of need so mm-hmm. I say this yeah. because that's what I feel. I yeah. don't give a fuck how you're going to respond, mm-hmm. whether, I mean, not in a mean way, you know, it's like, but sure. I don't, my identity, my balance, my sense of self is not wrapped up to how you're going to respond to me. So, oh, I said I love you. So unless they say this, oh, shit, that's going to be it's like, yeah. this I'm feeling great. You want to take it in a good way? Great. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take it in a good way? It's, yeah. I'm still where I'm at. Yeah. doesn't matter. You're you know? coming from truth and yeah. integrity and just, you know, and when you do that, you're coming from the heart and stomach and whatever. You, you can't, you know, you're solid. You're yeah. set. Yeah. And I think oddly enough, people then tend to respond to that a lot yeah. because there's something about when somebody does not come from a place of need, does not come from a place of fear where you just do things because you want to, not because you're trying to obtain a result. It's like mm-hmm. this is just you being honest with yourself and just putting it out there, being honest with somebody else the same way you're honest with yourself. People are almost weirded out because so many actions done by so many people come from a place of need or fear yeah. that the fact that you don't do it suddenly makes you 10 times more attractive. Yeah. And it's like, how is that even, you know, mm-hmm. and... I've noticed it a lot yeah. with, uh, you're talking about kind of romantic stuff with women. It's like, I was wondering about it because I, I don't, once in a, I guess last time I look at myself in the mirror was probably six years ago or something. So occasionally when I pass in front of a mirror and I'm like, oh, look at that. That's what I look like now. You know, <laughs> I'm not exactly putting a ton of attention in my personal appearance in case that wasn't clear, but the, um, you know, I realize, oh, damn, you know, I, I'm sure I probably look better 10 years ago. And yet one of the things that's fun is that women respond to me today way, like leaps <laughs> and bounds more than they did years ago. Yeah. Is it because I look better? No. Is it because my, it's because my, I'm way more comfortable with who I am than I was before. Yeah. And that translates in something that makes it more attractive to somebody else. Because, again, nobody's at the, it's kind of hard to be attracted by need, by fear. It's, those vibes don't exactly invite people in. It's a spiritual stability. Yeah. You know, when you uh, – it's funny. In strength training, we talk about a concept of you can't shoot a cannon from a canoe. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, seriously. I like so, the image. Yeah, if you think about it from that from that sense – the spiritual stability or that feeling of like you're just good in your skin, you're just uh-huh. good with who you are, you're good with your direction, and you you are clear on why you act in a certain way, and it's independent of what someone else does. There's that 
that sense of you're rooted. So when yep. you shoot the cannon, it's good. Uh, for someone else that tries to shoot the cannon and they don't have that same kind of stability, no wonder no one else is, is attracted because you just capsized the canoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I love that image. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you... I mean, this is obviously... It's such a bullshit question because it's... Yeah, I expect you to answer it in about 12 words, no more, no less. But, you know, how do you think in your own mind, if you can think of a few ways just to get the conversation started in that direction, how do you think you develop roots in the sense of how do you develop the stability slash confidence in the person you want to be? How do you go from being somebody who's not, which at one point or another, everybody's not, right? Nobody's born with confidence. Nobody's born being... uh, solid in who they are it's an acquired trait and you know some people acquire it when they are seven years old some people acquire it when they are 40 some people never acquired but you know at some point along the lines you get it or you don't but it's not something you're born with how do you get it what are the baby first steps that you take to start taking that journey it's funny you chose the word roots, um, and I didn't know this until I got there. In Australian slang, root actually means to fuck. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, like someone hmm. and, I, and, I, and I remember I was teaching a <laughs> workshop, and I said, you need to be able to root down. And then everyone's like snickering, and I'm like, what the fuck are you guys laughing about? And like, that's it. That's what we're laughing about. And I'm like, huh? Um, <laughs> that's funny, man. But, uh, I think... To develop the confidence to be able to come from that place, it really just takes a modicum of success. Mm-hmm. Like you have to take that leap of faith that the first few times, maybe it'll turn out shitty. Right. You know, maybe you'll get shafted, maybe you'll get whatever, but you have to just, you have to just keep trying and not be afraid to fail. Like I, I don't, I'm, tell, tell me from your perspective, because I'm, I'm curious if, sure. as, a, as a polyglot yourself. Because yeah, I can tell, I can I can speak from my own experiences. Like for when I'm when I'm speaking Korean or when I'm speaking mm-hmm. Chinese or any other language that I'm I'm not particularly fluent in. When I get back into that that uh, situation where I have to use that language mm-hmm. again, the first few times I, I the words come out of my mouth, they're all fucked up. Like you know when I when I first every trip every single trip I go to Korea. The first day, it's like uh, the shit that I have to say. I'm like, oh my god, like I can't believe I can't remember that phrase. I can't, yeah. I can, you know, it's it's very halting. <laughs> of course. Um, but after time, after you, you know, have more exposure, spend more time around it, then stuff starts to flow. You know, like the phrases start to roll off the tongue. So the confidence builds, and success breeds confidence. But if you're so petrified of failure, I I don't see how you're going to have a good time building those successes. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree because it's like nobody's going to get it the first time they try. Mm-hmm. First time you try, you're going to fall flat on your face and probably the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth. And so in some ways that you need to develop pride in the failing and getting up. Great mm-hmm. word, pride. Because otherwise, is because that's really the only way you, you can find any value is in the fact that you get up. Because if you look for the result, the result is not there. You just fucking failed. You know, you, you just mm-hmm. messed up. You did not do the thing that you were trying to do. And so in that sense is, yep, but I did it and I'm about to do it again. You know, yeah. and then you fuck up again. And it's like, yep, but I did it and I'm about to do it again. And there's something yep. about that that eventually that sort of fake it till you make it, but also in being honest with yourself and just appreciating your limitation and the fact that the fact that you are on the path 
puts you ahead of the game because there are humongous percentages of people will never put themselves in the place of vulnerability and willingness to embrace failure. That in itself is a win. So we were kind of talking about this earlier this morning, Chris. So I'm I'm actually kind of curious. Like Daniela just brought up some words that that jarred a thought in me that I never got to hear you flesh out Mm. as far as the history. Um, We were talking earlier this morning about um, the first backpacks that you put together Mm -hmm. and how some of them were like you had some issues with them, Mm -hmm. but you stuck with it. And and can you flesh that that whole timeline and all of that experience out? Because I think that you painted it in broad strokes this morning when we were talking, but I think that really also speaks to what we're talking about now. That's true. Yeah. And I, I think, and I agree with you about how to develop these things. A lot of times you just have to keep going. And, and I will say like, even for me, my instead now, like my problems are, I think about the company and bags and stuff, but I used to think more about relationships and silly stuff like that, that I've, I feel like I've, I've got that down now, but I remember someone saying to me, well, I, I it was a silly Q&A asked Dr. Howell, subgenius, anyway, long, long story. But, uh, but I remember asking something to the effect of, hey, you know, I keep getting involved in these relationships and I keep getting, you know, hurt, but I can't help myself but keep getting into them. What do I do? And, and the guy, he, they happened to have a decorative knife on the stand where they were doing it. He said, well, you can either come up here and I'll stab you and it'll be all done. Or you just got to keep doing it until you're absolutely sick of it or until you figure it out. And so... In some ways, it was really good advice in a lot of ways. I have a knife, so anytime you want. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad. See, it's good to know that's always an option. You've nope. always got an out. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, but, you know, yeah, and, and the same thing. But I apply that to so many things now where I just dive in. And it's like, okay, if it didn't didn't work, you, sometimes you just have to keep going until you, you figure. I mean, you don't want to go to the definition of insanity where you're hitting your head against a yeah. wall and not changing it. But you come at it a different angle. You keep trying things. To figure it out. And like with our backpacks, if for instance, like our gear bags, which are like duffel type bags, those held up great. No problems there. For years and years and years, our backpacks, I kept trying to design them right. They would have tears here and there. And I just, I could not figure it out. And I didn't have the resources to go hire, you know, the one or two actual designers that understand bags and tactical stuff and, and figure out how to fix this but you know eventually we just kept making little improvements little improvements little improvements and it would get a little stronger each batch and now we're at a place where i figured out some major improvements and and now they rarely ever have a problem but you know so it was just it just it was just the perseverance to say well this is my mission it doesn't matter you know if i keep failing because in the meantime i was doing what we always do which is i keep replacing things i didn't care if i had to replace the entire batch over the next five years we just do that and so you know we keep doing that and doing that until we can make something better and, and it was motivation to keep getting better too because i didn't want to you know have to lose a bunch of money and do yeah, that of so. course right. you kept yeah. learning from every failure yeah, so every, every little thing that was a little bit of a glitch every not necessarily looking at it as like a an oh shit failure but like a like a how do we take this information how do we take this feedback yeah. and improve the product oh it absolutely helps me every time someone writes in and says hey it failed here i mean even if they're abusive users that drag the thing on the ground and whatever it's like i, I want to know what that is i mean there's some extent where it's a natural hemp's a natural sure. fiber i can only do so much but every time I, I see something like that i mean yeah it upsets me and i go to bed a little bit agitated going oh no that guy's bag broke and it's amazing how one little email like that could skew me from you know 31 ones that were praising us but it's good because i have to just turn it around and go all right well this is a learning thing so how can we you know what can we change to make this better as i want to make things that last you know as long as they possibly can you know i want that bag 
<coughs> to die because the natural fiber has seen its day, not because we didn't build it right. You know, it's it's uh, that's that's important to me. You said something right there. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, you said something that was really interesting there because when you said uh, because that's the other side of the equation that I was thinking of is the mm-hmm. definition of insanity. You know, is like there's something about perseverance <laughs> that is a good thing, and then there's a kind of perseverance that is not a good thing. So yeah. while yes, we are saying keep trying, keep failing, that's the way to go. There's also a place where it's not the way to go. How do you separate the two? Kind of this, like, you know, the guy who's like, I am going to be a writer. It's my dream. It's my hope. Except that you write and you really suck. And, okay, you mm-hmm. know, people learn. So, okay, you try again and you really still suck. And you try again <laughs> and you really suck. And you try. And five years in, you suck just as bad as when you started. Yeah. That's when maybe you want to start thinking, okay, maybe not. You know, there's something there where perseverance only carry you so far. How do you That's make... True. Where do you draw the line? How do you know when it's just part of the process and just failure because it's the it's how you learn, and is where it's failure, where it's like no, dude, you probably should now it's time to change tactics <laughs> instead. <laughs> I, that's that's a tough one, but for for me, it usually comes in the form of anxiety. I, I mean, I used to have just crippling anxiety, which unless you've had anxiety attacks or something like that, most people don't understand how fucked up it is. If you have taken acid, imagine a really bad acid trip, but it hits you. Can you imagine? Point in time. Yeah, so it, it, I had that, and for me, that's what helped me. I was like, I noticed when I start feeling really like like the pond is no longer clear and settled and everything's screwed up, and no matter, I keep going this one direction, and I keep feeling agitated and everything's screwy. I mean, there's a point where it's, okay, yeah, you persevere, you try different angles, but if you're not, you know... I don't know. I just there's a point where my it's really my body. Everything in my life starts to react to that, mm. to the wrong path. Where it just it's like no, it's like, it's like trying to put two magnets of the wrong you know sides together. And it's just not happening. You have to recognize that and go. All right, something needs so, to change. So is it something instinctual? Like in when you're exempt for your, like for you, can you just feel it on an instinctual level? Like this is fucked up. Like I that that you know magnets that don't match thing i think so and i think and one of the things i've tried to trust over the years is more my gut reaction because i i don't always do that i tend to i'm very i tend to stick everything up in my brain and my head and i go oh this makes sense that should work but i'm trying to get as i get older try and go all right go go with your gut a little bit more and if something doesn't feel right i mean really 95 percent of the time it's it that's that really is is what I need to pay attention to because that tells me something. I guess I have a, that make perfect sense by the way because I don't think there's a formula there. I mm. think you're right. It, there is an element of instinct of being able to separate good failure from pointless failure. That's something that I actually want to ask Mark real quick because part of his. Uh, you know, for anybody who's familiar with Mark's work, on one end, one of the things that you do get from Mark is this emphasis on kind of willpower and, you know, determination and commitment and sort of being very solid in that direction that you basically say push through. Then there's another side in which a lot of his work when it comes to how to treat the body, how to train, how to all of that is about don't be stupid. Is about just the people who push through like no pain, no gain. They, that's not where Mark is going with that. Yeah. So what I'm interested in asking him now is like on one end you have this emphasis that's very much on willpower and trying hard. And on the other end you have about being smart and not that trying hard is not always the best solution. So how do you juggle between this very yin-yangy side of your personality, of your philosophy, of your everything? Keep it. Keep it Thank you.
Wait, wait, I gotta shake it to just make sure every. You know. <laughs> no matter how shake long you shake her down, <laughs> the last drop always lands. I used to get yelled at my Mormon grandma for doing that. She saw me doing that once, and I, I thought I was just getting the urine off. She's, Don't we? We do not touch ourselves. That's a sin. And like I was. More than three shakes playing with it. Yeah. I was like, I'm really not. I mean, I would have, but that's not where I'd be doing it. So. That's hilarious. Before we got... It's always worse when you're like in, in the high school locker room urinal, and it's like you shake and you miss, and then like it gets on the foot of the dude standing next to you. <laughs> I can't even do urinals but anymore, but that's yeah. a whole other traumatizing story I can tell you about another time. Oh, that's actually interesting, but... It is. Feel free. Later. <laughs> so before, actually, before we got... Mark to enlighten us about the ins and outs. Let's have a quick cheer since they are pouring wine. There we go. Score. So the um, score. <laughs> I'm gonna assume by the way be the only one speaking on this podcast because I just poisoned all their wines, so oh, they are gonna no, all fall next to me and slow down it. But the um, I gave you a generous fucking pour. <laughs> so Mr. Generous fucking pour, do tell about the yin and yang of willpower versus being smart and slowing down and being more strategic. That, now, that really got clear for me in the last I think in the last maybe year, that really got clear to me. Uh, I think people underestimate the power of stupid yeah <laughs> um because they underestimate that like stupidity with the right motivation can be really stubborn like, oh yeah so for example let's say working with with strength training there are a lot of strength coaches that i that i hear giving advice it's like well if you're not doing that you're not doing enough of that and if it if you let's say for example a, a, a particular lift oh if that lift isn't going well for you you just need to practice it more uh he, maybe that's a, that's certainly a po- not outside the realm of possibility, but sometimes there's a parking brake on somewhere in the body that you need to take that fucker off first, and then you won't have to jam the fucking accelerator all the way to the floorboard to get the car to move four inches. You know, like, just look for those little points of liability. So now I'm starting to understand that the willpower, the dedication, the energy really has to go into awareness and attentiveness to not only the process, but also the feedback. So like one of the things that you, Chris, talked about was um, treasuring or valuing the feedback as as a means to improve the product or a means to improve the process. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to strength training, when it comes to martial arts, whatever the thing is, if you can honor that feedback rather than getting defensive about it, which is what we, which is really fucking hard. Let's Mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, like when, when someone says something like, it hurts. Yeah, this is something that hurts just a little yeah. bit. We have an emotional reflex. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that reflex, if we can't control it or if we can't train that reflex to be productive, we end up fucking ourselves like in this vicious like downward spiral. And and then how do you get out of that? Like you and sometimes you get you get so locked into that spiral you think I'll put I'll just have to try harder. And that trying harder ends up getting you down that spiral even faster, even deeper. Yep. So uh, when it comes to the the commitment, when it comes to the dedication, I think the commitment and dedication have to be to the long-term goal, mm-hmm. not necessarily to the short-term process. That makes perfect sense. And I think I think in that sense, like something that you are very familiar with, because that's a big chunk of your life, but martial art training in that regard is very, it's a useful teacher, because if you go in with any ego, you're not going to learn shit. You know, you're... 
And, you know, if you go in with an ego because, hey, I've done it for so many years, I'm supposed to be know something. And it's like, that's exactly why you're not going to learn the next thing. Because ultimately, you need to put yourself in a place where it's like, look, if I know it, I know it. If I don't know it, I don't know it. Doesn't matter. Just show me. And if I don't get it, show me again. And please show me again. And just that's really the only way you're going to learn. Otherwise, if you get into a frame of mind of, uh, you know, you get caught up in your self-image of how it's supposed to be, it's like good luck. And in a way, it's like it's not that hard because it actually you take pressure off for yourself. Totally. Because it's like, hey, I'm just empty mind. I'm a student. I don't know anything. Just show me. And if I don't get it, then... We just you just show me so there's something there in that process between you telling me and me receiving that didn't work. We don't need to work about my whole life story of why I'm here. It's like right now in this moment, why am I not getting this thing? Let's try again. Let's play with. I think there's something there that's very healthy because anybody who's been in martial art would know that there's always in the room somebody who's gonna be better than you or luckier than you who has a better sure. night. There are always gonna be people who are worse than you. It's very rare the day that you are the absolute worst there is for months in a row in the room. Unlikely, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's doing worse. And there's almost always going to be somebody who's better or is having a better day at least. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, it's like, who cares? You're somewhere in there. You know something and there's more that you need to learn, which is basically where almost everybody is. So take it. That's all you need to have about your past and your self-image. You know something. There's much you don't. Okay, let's go from here. You know that kind of that kind of perspective, that kind of uh, clarity. I think only comes with a certain amount of maturity or a certain amount of experience. Mm-hmm. Like Guru Dan Inasano has said many times in Kali class, in Filipino martial arts class, said like you know, a lo- with knife work, with blade work, for example, because there are some days that you have to realize that there might be a guy that has the most outstanding reputation who has been undefeated he's the most talented guy but he may just come in on a night when he's just not on yep and for some reason that that noob that walked in just has just comes at you with an angle that you haven't seen you're not prepared for your brain just kind of fogged over for that split second and he nails you yep so is that is that newbie a, a better knife fighter than you um, in the big scheme of things, yes and no. Like, yes, in the sense that he was able to land that one crucial shot at that one crucial moment. On the other hand, like, does he have the same uh, con- contextual understanding of the curriculum of this that, and the other? No. So that's I think that it, people need to understand that there's a there's a short term and then there's a long term. Mm-hmm. And while we want to minimize short term loss, we we need to honor long term gain. Mm-hmm. I love it. Beautiful. I would see it as a company logo on your website. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I heard, I heard yeah. a great quote from a from a um, a Buddhist teacher. I can't think of her name right now, but she was saying that when you get up and dust yourself off after a failure, that's the moment when the positive energy is released into the universe. That getting up and trying again is that push forward that makes everything happen. But now I'm confused because we do have the insanity plea, where if you keep trying <laughs> the same damn thing. You're doomed to fail. So this, this there's got our, to be a, there's got to be a, a crux in there somewhere, right? Well, sometimes it's the angle. I mean, like, like even like let's say Mark didn't see my post about hey I want to get back in shape, not get injured, I want to balance out my upper body and whatever, and I just said fuck it, I'm gonna do kettlebell swings the way I've been doing them the whole time. 
you know, and I'm just going to go and do that with, you know, my limited instruction that I've received. And I could do that. I might do okay. I'd probably injure myself. I wouldn't be able to do as much weight, but I mean, I go, you know, I've spent a little time with him this afternoon and just amazing the little, it's just a tweak in perspective. I mean, I'm still doing this. The goal hasn't changed, but it's just a little tweak about how I'm approaching it. And, and all of a sudden I'm able to do more weight for more reps and I'm getting, you know, more, more result out of, out of less effort, really. And, you know, and, but it's, yeah, all the thing, it, it remained the same to an extent. Marco Andretti's got the Taoist master look to him now. He's he got the wild, like uh, you should be in some films or something. Seriously. All right. Casting directors, you heard the man. I know. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Call this guy up. I think if there's justice in the world, that needs to happen. Agreed. You know, and even if there is no justice in the world, that still needs still to happen. Needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at him. Look yeah. at, uh, you know, yeah. crazy beard, crazy hair. Yeah. Perfect. I love yeah. it. We so, climb the mountain yeah. to meet Master Chang, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the top of Wudang Mountain, we need to have him playing. No, definitely. And um, I have no idea where I was going with that, well, but that, that was, yeah. That's but that's good. dope, so thank you for saying that. It is. Even Henry Aikens, my my favorite Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy was very jealous of his hair. Henry's trying to finally grow out his hair, and it's, you know, if you don't know the guy, it's no idea, but whatever. Saw Mark's hair, and it was like, you would have thought it was two girls talking. <laughs> He's like, I love your hair! I wish I had your hair! It's so awesome! But he has nicer tits, so... Yeah, well, you know, there you go. It evens out. So, but I've got a question for you guys, because this is something that has been it's going around in my family, because, well, my, my wife is is looking at hopefully the in-laws won't hear this because they're going to freak out oh, she's shit. looking at quitting her salary worker job and of course mr datsasara here escaped the salary worker life which is what datsasara means i can't you know fault her on that and uh, and really i know she's going to be a lot happier when she does but she is the type of person who hasn't i feel like she's been run through the typical ringer of go to college, do this, it's going to make money, all that stuff. She never took the time, like someone like me who was a slacker and sat around and did a lot of drugs and whatever and figured out what he wanted to do with his life. I had that luxury, and, you know, so I knew when when I thought of Datsusara, I mean, it came somewhat naturally. I mean, I don't, I'm not like some of my friends. I have a friend who grew up wanting to be a director since he was age, you know, five or something and knew what he wanted. And that's that's amazing. I mean, I'm actually jealous of that. But I, but I figured out my stuff easy enough. I took some loves that I liked, put them together, came up with a thing. But she's really struggling with, okay, what do I – how do I find that passion, you know? I mean, not, not so much how do I not – how do I keep coming up after failures, but – where do you guys, I mean, you know, you guys are doing, I think, you know, some of what you love to do. I think you enjoy your work and what you're doing in society and what you provide and all that. But I think for a lot of people, they look at it and go, well, yeah, I could find a way to make some money. I could drop ship products or whatever. But, but like, who cares? What You know, how, how do those people that maybe don't have a lot of passions, don't have a lot of things that they mm-hmm. already love in their life, they're coming from, you know, maybe a salary worker job and, and that's all they've ever had. How do they, you know, how do you, how do you find that? How do you find what you love and, and what you can offer to society as a service, as a product, whatever it might be, you know, what, where do you go? I have my spiel on this, but I'm curious. I'm especially cause you know, for in Mark's case, there are things that you have been at forever, ever since I know of you or you in any way, there's like stuff that you obviously were passionate from very early on. So I'm curious how you tackle. Then I'll gladly jump in and throw 
my two cents <laughs> in that. Once again, there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but like all progress depends on the unreasonable man. <laughs> and yep. and really that's like awesome that's one. that's how I got to be where I am and and why I'm doing the shit I'm doing. Um, my wife, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that I'll loop back around to why I do what I do and what guides me mm -hmm. as far as the guiding principles. But um, just to address Chris's question, my wife went through a similar thing. She was working a salaried job, making a fat paycheck. Um, life was good. She felt that she should be doing something slightly different or better. Um, and there was the risk reward question of like, well, shit, not, this is a nice check, but I'm not happy working at this job. Now what? And I, and I told her, I was like, look, if you want to come home and be pissed and whether you realize it or not, you are going to be taking it out on the family. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're going to be taking it out on everyone you interact with in ways that are going to be insidious. You won't know that shit is happening until you start damaging people. And they're going to tell you, and you're not going to get it. Yeah. Um, then keep doing what you're doing. Uh, otherwise, don't be afraid. If you really believe in the shit you're doing, you love it, you have an aptitude for it, and you have seen measurable results from your involvement in it. And I think mm -hmm. that's the key thing. You mm -hmm. have seen measurable results from your involvement in it. Once you've seen measurable positive results from your involvement in it, then go and fucking do it and figure out a way of doing more of it and in a way that, that becomes self-sustaining. Um, in the meantime, if, it, if there's a learning curve, if there's, there's, there's going to be some struggle, like there may be like a few years that you're gonna have to, we're going to have to live off credit cards. I'm completely fucking cool with that. Like I know to you, debt is something that's like the ultimate four-letter word, but to me, it's just a mean that that to me is a means to an end. Mm. Like that to me is a short-term thing. It's like if if I die with debt and shitloads of debt and it cripples my kids, yeah, okay, that would suck some balls. But on the other hand, if we went into debt temporarily as a means to make us as a as a reachable and and a temporary stepping stone to get to a better place where she's able to run her own business to make her own schedule to do her own things to have the freedom to practice medicine in the way that she wanted to mm. i said then fucking do it why don't you do it I, i'm 100 percent behind you yeah um, i think the only thing scary about what you're mentioning is she doesn't know what that passion is yes. yet that has to be identified train. first. And if that means for the next year, because obviously if you hate your job, you're going to hate your life. It all bleeds out yeah, from there. Absolutely. And you cannot do that forever. But maybe it's time to, to figure out some sort of weekend internship, this place, that place, to get a taste of some other things. That's a great I idea. I wouldn't jump out until I know what that because yep. mm -hmm. I've seen it, you know, even with my kids, I have one that has that laser focus and she knows what she wants to do mm -hmm. and she's off. Mm -hmm. I've got another that's still waiting for the Lord to tell him what his calling is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he is just spinning his wheels. And yeah. it's terrible to see because then you are at a point where, yes, you hate your job. But if you're not willing to get out and try a few things, you're never going to know. Yeah. So I would do a little bit of look before you leap. But I would also have to say that life's way too short to be at a miserable job. For and that's real. part of the investment, yeah. though. I mean, like, you, that looking before you leap, that process of investigation, that, that, that's, that's investment. You, you taking the time to try and figure out, like, okay, do, do, A, do I like this? B, am I any good at it? Right. You know, C, will people pay me for this shit? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. once, you, once you take the time to address those, then I think then you've, you've got a, a, a roadmap to follow. I think almost like, even one step prior 
to where you're at in that description, because that's necessarily the next one, is figuring out even what are, because you're going already on the practical aspect of, am I good at it? Will, can I make a career out of it? And all of that, which is the absolute necessary second step in the process. I think that the very first one is just figure out what do I like? If money wasn't even an issue, this is not a job. This is not for any practical purposes. If I have, I can do anything I want in life. How do I feel my days? I have no obligations. It's just about stuff that makes me happy. What makes me happy? And kind of like sit there and just go through the list. Like I literally have done a list multiple times where that was actually the best use of any college class I've ever been in is sitting in one of those classes where somebody's talking and they're doing their thing and I'm just going off and doing my list of things of what do I enjoy in life? What are some of the things that... And, you know, there's... Probably you come up with 10,000 different things. Not that they're necessarily your greatest passion, but they're like, hey, I only mind learning about gardening. Hey, I like to cook. I really enjoy doing martial arts. I want to do whatever the fuck, right? And you go through a whole list of 10,000 things of stuff that you actually do kind you do enjoy. May not be the greatest passion, but you do enjoy. Then you start going through the list and you start going by priorities of like, which one do I actually really get a kick out of and which ones I'm like, eh, it's all right, but whatever. And then at that point, I think it's what you're saying kicks in of like, okay, so now I see what my passion, what I'm interested in. If I, money wasn't an issue, jobs were not an issue, career were not an issue. How do I turn these? Does anybody make any money? Does anybody make a living doing something that it's somewhat related to this thing that I enjoy doing? Yeah. How do they do it? What are the possible careers out there that revolve vaguely around this field? Mm. And then, you know, if you have a few different fields, even better, because then you start seeing. And then I would say step after that is talk to people who actually do it mm. to see if the lifestyle that you see from the outside. Granted, what they tell you is based on their experience, which is going to be different because, you know, maybe your personality is different. And, sure. But at least you can get a sense of what are the possible pitfalls, what are the steps they took to get there and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I think at that point you got the game done. Yeah, you know, they it's, still uh, talk to you. You, you yeah. actually made a great point, a really great point with that. And then if we look at that even back one more step, like what if I don't know what I like? Mm-hmm. You know, like what Chris is saying, like what do I don't know. Let's say I don't know what I like. Mm-hmm. then what are you curious about? Right. So mm-hmm. just even sometimes making a list yeah. of shit that, okay, I, I, the list of things that I've experienced that I like is very short, let's say. Uh, then, okay, well, what are you curious about? What are the things mm-hmm. that you've kind of seen on TV or that you you'd have no firsthand yeah. experience with, but you have a curiosity? Like there's just something that, uh, you know, I need to find out more about that. Absolutely, because that's a, initially you have to play. I think you just give yeah. yourself time to play. Yeah. You just go out, play, see if you have fun with it, see if it's still fun after one week, yeah. and then uh, and then see what's going on. Yeah. You know, I kid you not, my list were so fucking weird because they were all over. <laughs> I literally at some point in my list there was like raising bison was in there. Nice. Wow. I kid you yeah. not. So yeah, I was going a little on the wild end. You know, it's like there was everything and the opposite. That are of course, you know, <laughs> 99.9% of the thing I put on the list is stuff that I'm never going to do. Sure. But you know, it's like then you get a sense of where can we go with that, you know? Yeah. I have um, four things. What are the four yeah. things? Eat, sleep, fight, and yeah, I got that picture. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Seriously. Yeah, I don't think the podcast is edited. You can say that. Yeah. But <laughs> especially no, really. It's, it's boiled down to that. Eat, sleep, fight, and fuck. That was, I mean, everything well, boiled down go. in some way or shape or form. Like, 
eat. I want to be able to eat good food. I want to yeah. be able to figure out what is going to nourish the body. Uh-huh. Sleep. I need restoratives. I got to figure out more about how to restore the body or prolong the prolong mm-hmm. use of the body. Mm-hmm. Fight. I want to be able to to not only defend myself, but I want to be able to do stuff that's athletic and vigorous. Mm-hmm. And you know, really, do we need to explain fucking the yeah. fuck part? Probably not. That's, but that's yeah. a great recipe. So there right we go. There, that could you know. I could sum up a lot of things. Yeah, I think yeah. is, um, I mean, the eat and sleep, the health restorative <laughs> part would definitely is a big one. And then becoming a master of the two Fs, I think, is particularly important. Mm-hmm. It's uh, something that everybody should, uh, I think it should be a legitimate goal of every human being to master the two Fs. That's very important. I think that's a sure. very lucrative uh, kind of strategy for filmmaking. So then we could, like, do F3, F cubed, right? Film... Right, add it to the, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. We'll be stronger as a race. That's it. <laughs> a bunch of Spartan humans. That'd be great. I used to actually before, but I used to deeply admire Phil Jackson just for his voice. Uh, I was like, I would literally Phil Jackson, you know, the Lakers oh, yeah, coach yeah, back yeah. in the day, the Zen master, because he spoke from here, right? It was just his <laughs> voice of the rock, like, and, and I was like. Fuck, I need to get there. Let me try. And I'm like, no. Okay, try again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the voice. You, you know who was my voice coach? Was it, it, like, not unbeknownst to him, he was my voice coach. It was mm-hmm. actually my wife's cousin. Deep voice or Theo what? Mizuhara from 92.3 The Beat back in the day. <laughs> Remember back in like the early 90s when we were at UCLA? Yeah. Theo was the guy that like, hi, this is Theo from 92.3 The Beat. Coming at you for the five o'clock, for the five at five, whatever the fuck Theo said, right? Theo was that dude. And like, everyone's like, oh, Theo, my God, he sounds so sexy. And like, you know, if you didn't know anybody better, he had this really deep, rich, chocolatey voice. And so everyone's just assuming he was like this gorgeous black dude. And he's like this shaggy, like kind of unkempt looking Japanese American dude. That is funny. Theo, what's your last name? Um, Mizuhara. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sexy and exotic. Like, whatever happened to him? Um, after 92.3 The Beat, he, um, did a short stint for MTV as a VJ. Um, and then after that, I think he went back up to the Bay Area to... Um, mm. Work radio. I'm oh, not he's sure. He's doing that disco and channel. It's all day, every day. Is he? Nice. I think so. Wouldn't I? I have no Kiss idea. FM up there. Mm. As soon as we get to San Jose. Nice. Theo's Theo's hardcore into R and B. He's a he's a big R and B person. So if he if he's doing radio right now and it's not R and B, that would be quite a shock to me. But mm. but yeah, I mean like, what a voice. I remember when I first heard him, I was like, this dude's got a voice. And then like, you know. When I would hear the girls call in and shit, and they're just losing their fucking mind, it was hilarious. I'm like, and yeah, work for Barry White. On a related note, you do sound a little bit like GSP. I don't think you should take that. It's because <laughs> I'll tell you, if you said water and he says water, it sounds the fucking same. I don't know how French, a French Canadian, Canadian and an Italian accent match up. 
but there, the, the, you know, I'm just saying there's a little legitimacy behind people. I know that's like probably like 50 well, podcasts ago. But. All I got to say is that I'm not impressed with your performance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, by the way, what you should have in your mind. As soon as you finish having, having sex, this yeah. should goes for everybody on earth. You should just hear my voice in the back of your brain right. saying, I'm not impressed with your performance. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, yeah. and I'm already teaching my daughter to try to say it red the yeah, you know, that's how it's done. Extra D, it's yeah. nice. There's something yeah. to it. <laughs> that was funny because yeah, by in, early on with my daughter, I remember it was. Um, I didn't think I heard people telling me, "Oh, she has a so funny. She's this Asian girl and she has an Italian accent." And I'm like, that's "No, awesome. she doesn't." And then one day she said "red," uh, and I was like, "Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, I hear that. I hear that too." <laughs> it was so just cool. "red," and I'm like, "Oh God." <laughs> yeah. That was heavy. Uh, now she doesn't great. anymore, but yeah, when she was be spending. Be careful because we were talking earlier about how very sexy British accented Asian girls are so oh, you gotta God help me I, I haven't met too many Italian accented ones but I'm just saying as yeah. a father you might you know just I don't know tone that down give her a, I don't know no, sound, now what it's kind of uh, would not be sexy I don't know what but right no, there, there's a huge population of Asians in Brazil right so not mm-hmm. only from the Japanese but also Koreans so mm-hmm. one of the most insanely like like want to rip your own brain right out of your skull kind of <laughs> accents I ever heard was listening to a Korean girl speak Korean with a Brazilian Portuguese accent. Really? And I was just like, oh, wow. I need to do you now. Nice. Like, just, uh, I admit, like, inseminate every cell of her body kind of thing. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. Beauty. Yeah. We, okay, we I know out. that's all I'm recording, so yeah, I'm, I'm all, terrified of what's right? going to go out. No, no, no. We're I, keep the, I keep the outtakes for when No, 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 like, put the no, shit on there. Fuck, let them hear it. <laughs> now, one thing that we're, we're bringing up, um, Mark actually was going to, was bringing it up before we even started recording, and then you, you kind of went there regarding sort of, I don't know, you probably can bring it up better than I do, the whole uh, plan. Okay. Uh, right, like uh, earlier... Preach on, brother. Yeah, you were talking about you wanted to have a, a product. You wanted to create a product where if someone buys one of your Datsusara bags, it should last until, like, the molecular structure of the fabric starts fraying, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. not because it was shitty workmanship, not because you cut corners, not because, you know, you just felt like ah, it's lasting too long, so they can't – they need to buy another one. Mm-hmm. You want a product that lasts as long as physically possible – Absolutely. Based on the materials that you're using. Absolutely. And that totally flies in the face of planned obsolescence. Yeah. Now, for those of you listeners that haven't heard the, the concept of planned obsolescence, it's a strategy. It's a business strategy. Meaning like if I make a light bulb and let's say that light bulb lasts for three months and you get three months of great usage out of it and then all of a sudden it craps out at the third month, then you need another light bulb to replace that. Um, and if I make a cheaper light bulb or if I make a, a, a light bulb that that cuts corners, then it won't last that long. I can not only save money on – me, as let's say, as a business owner, I can save money on not only the production of that thing, but then I can make more money more often because you are then, as the consumer, forced to buy more of that same shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that strategy is called planned obsolescence. There's a plan. Like it's, there's an actual strategy behind trying to make your product last only so long. Yeah. 
seems um, insane, but it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in some way, it doesn't seem insane at all. It's like the whole point of a corporation is you want to make money. Well, sure. And yeah, that means angle. that's how right. do we make sure to make money when you need to people to buy our shit and then buy it again and again and again. So, right. you know, it's actually from a purely logical standpoint. Sure. Selfish and short term, it makes perfect Logica sense. Evil though, man, that's the problem. That's the problem with the whole country right now. Yeah. That you're so hard. You know, a toaster. You should be able to have a toaster that lasts 25 years. It's sure. not doing anything. Yeah. yeah. And 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 kind of the other end of that is our unwillingness to go get something fixed. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, if your fucking toaster breaks. In the day when there were fix-it shops, for $8, you could go get it fixed instead right. of spending 36 on another one yep. that's going to break trash. in five years. Yeah, the other one, it no. really is a problem, you know? And I, and you're exactly right. I mean, it is all about the, the all-blessed dollar. Mm-hmm. But how do we get people off of that tit? Because until we do that, we don't fix everything. I'd love to say... Wait, 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 wait. Back up. We need to get people off a of tit? Yeah, no, that's no, no, what no, the, the <laughs> money kit. It's a, fuck a festering Uzi. Oh, shit. No, okay, okay, okay. okay. Yo, 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 no, 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 don't put those. Not a lovely tit. Yet. You know, this is this one is one you don't want to lick on. Um, <laughs> it, it just drives Never me crazy. I, I like to. I went into a, a, a Michael's one Christmas time, mm-hmm. and in that Michael somewhere was a stick with two pine cones stuck on the end of it and some glitter glued to it. Mm. Now, we like to play a fun game when we go into Michael's called Find Something Not Made in China, just for fun. <laughs> and occasionally, after a few hours, you'll find something. Sure. But this stick, Sure's World, was made in China, and yeah. you can bet your sweet dollar the guy that glued that glitter on there mm. wasn't making twelve fifty an hour. It's true. And until we reach a point where even that guy, whoever the lowest cat on the totem pole making a nickel an hour is raised to everybody else's level, mm-hmm. then we're all slaves. Sure. We're all slaves to the system that it's all about the money, has nothing to do with people finding out what their dreams are, doing the things they want to do. Because if we weren't in this mode, that wouldn't be a problem. Your wife would be able to go take classes and explore things and try things all she wanted to. But no, we're all on this fucking gerbil wheel trying to get the mortgage paid, trying to get the rent paid, and that's all that matters now. So you do end up with this angry society where everybody's looking out for themselves and, oh, you're trying to take a nickel from me. And that's the problem that has to be solved. And it's funny that the planned obsolescence is a huge part of that, that just continue fucking people, make sure shit doesn't last. You know, too bad. What if it did reach a point where nobody in the world needed a fucking toaster? Yeah, So Toaster Co. has to go out of of business because of that? Well, why don't you guys go figure out something to help some people another way, not to make a shitty toaster that's going to break in four years? Mm -hmm. Right. By the way, am I missing out on something? What exactly are long sticks covered in glitter with pie cones at the end? What exactly do we... Is this some strange sexual practice that I'm missing out on? I wish it was. No, it's just something that pretty much serves no purpose, but somebody wants to, you know, like, bobbles along their um, uh, chimney top. What the fuck is that called? Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. Okay. Yeah. And, a fool, and that's why I, I use that. I mean, something somebody really never needs that's right, never right, been right. produced. But as long as, I mean, the old commercial was, what should we make today? Spatulas? Or, you know, yeah. Yeah. flashlights. And flashlights? I was going to say flashlights? Yeah, right? what kind of flashlights? <laughs> the new and improved one. Okay. Tactical? Anyway, <laughs> I, I, it makes me crazy that we operate that way. And it's a terrible sure. thing. And you have a, a, a world of misery where all of a sudden. People don't glean onto science anymore. They're crawling back towards religion at at an amazing rate. And if you want to keep keep people separated, angry, and fighting, so that the 
That's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. Well, Mr. Datsusara, so what's up with that? Because you're clearly a shitty capitalist because you're doing things the wrong way, right? You're supposed to make bags that break. (laughs) uh, But at the same time, you do have a business. You do make a living. You are doing all right. You're not, you know, you, you're not swimming in gold, but you're doing all right. It's true. And now so that I moved to Portland, I feel like a baller, so. Yeah, so what's the... Um, <laughs> it's cheaper there. Is it just water. that people are evil, greedy fucks, and they just want to, they, it's never enough, and I so... I guess so. I, it, I mean, it really baffles me, and, I, and I'm sure there's some level of rationalization that comes along with how people do these things, and I could see where you could get there. I mean, we, we get customers that that clearly were abusive with their gear or ridiculous in some manner. And, and you know, I, I could shaft them and I could go, well, you know, you're being a dick. You, you fucking hammered the hell out of this. You dragged it along the road or whatever. And, yeah, of course it's not going to last. But I don't. I just deal with it. I, I, I'd rather do that than, than just, you know, go to sleep knowing that someone's pissed off at me, even if they're in the wrong, perhaps. I just... I know, I know. That's some high road shit. Yeah, that's taking it. I don't. Yeah, I I guess because I fucking I hate confrontation. I always have. I don't. I don't like. It's weird because I have very very strong opinions. You ask me about anything, I probably got a fucking opinion about it. Maybe stronger than it should be. But I fucking hate fighting with people. Oh, God, I hate fighting with people. You don't need to fight with people. You have their address. You can visit them in the night and just knife them while they sleep. There's no fight involved. You know, but I... Oh, it's stuff... It gives me terrible... I just... It freaks me out. I don't like it. So I'd rather just say, you know what? Just whatever. Just keep them happy. Do that. You know, to an extent. I mean, you know, if someone's being absolutely ridiculous and I think they're a crazy person there's going to be a line where I'm going to try and talk some sense into them and say, look, you're, you're being ridiculous. But Where do you think the the conflict thing, where do you think it comes from? And I guess it's a open-ended question because I don't think like, I don't know, tell me if I'm reading it wrong. Do you have a similar issue or no? Because I don't really see it with you, but I'm curious as yeah, far as like strong, being right? bugged by conflict. You know, like he clearly doesn't, uh, he is yeah, so bothered by conflict that is something that really, yeah, like, he will we try to We were talking about this over lunch. Yeah. We were talking so. about this over lunch. I think for me, as a as a, as a kid, uh, you know, child of immigrants, um, who, you know, my parents were, were raised in a time when the political climate in China and in Taiwan was very dicey. It's like... You know, someone called you a name, someone called you like a communist, someone said something about you or your parents, that could, you know, you might just disappear. Right. Um, So I remember as a kid growing up, like my dad would be like, you know, don't get into fights in school, don't start any shit, don't whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like just keep a low profile, don't, you know, don't be an asshole, but, you know, if you need to take some shit from someone else, just be a man, just man up, take it, whatever. Like he was was very like... it will. You have to be strong enough to endure, mm-hmm. and that 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 message stayed in my head. On the other hand, me being raised in the in the states with the freedom of the states, um, and this and the so the complexity of the messages that kids are given here in the states, part of me was like very much of you know fuck that shit. Like you know if you if you accuse me of something that I didn't do, I'm gonna come back guns a fucking blazing. Um, so it's it's a complicated issue for me. Like part of me wants to, especially with people that I love, 
I would rather, I think my reflex is to do what my dad said. Like if it, if it's like conflicts at home, certain things like, well, my wife, I'm sure would certainly disagree with this. If you heard this podcast, (laughs) there are no shortage of times that in my recollection that I can point to that I don't make a federal case out of it because like, I, I don't like, I don't like arguing. I don't like fighting. Um, which is weird because people are like, well, why do you spend so much time on martial arts? And I think it goes back to a quote I heard that, that you really you don't really appreciate peace until you start really understanding or start studying the harshest arts of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, coming from parents who were raised in that climate, like I I understand that there's skin in the game. Like if you act a fool, if you talk shit, if you do something sure. that's uncool, it will come back and visit you somehow karmically. Now, karma for some people is really nebulous. It's sure. like. Oh, like uh, a bad karma. Oh, I got a, I got a flat tire. It might be that, but mm-hmm. sometimes karma might be like you're, you're just when you're being an asshole so much, someone's gonna stab your kid to death. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. just you, you need to watch your p's and q's. You need to watch how far you push that envelope. Um, so that thing about not wanting to fight, there, there's a time when like if the ethic of the situation calls for me to, to, to either drop someone or get dropped, I'm cool with it. Be, you know, there's that skin in the game. But I understand the risks. No, and that makes sense, like, in a logical standpoint, which you're saying makes perfect sense. I guess is in what Chris is bringing up, there's an emotional side to conflict that he's really uncomfortable with. Do you have any, other than the obvious, which is, yeah, with loved ones, you don't want to get into a fucking fight with loved ones because that's bullshit. And unless you have some serious issue, anybody who doesn't have certain emotional issues will not want to get into those fights. So it's uh, just a sign of health and a sign of being smart. But as far as, is there anything about conflict that kind of give you the accelerated heartbeat when it's as it's happening that makes you feel like this is really giving me anxiety and making me feel weird and i hate this feeling or are you just like no you know fuck you 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 got the you mean you're being smart about it you're not gonna pick up fights that you don't need to but that internally you're not emotionally bothered you're just calculating the risks i I think the big switch in the last couple years for me has been more my reaction to when Mm -hmm. conflict happens to understand that sometimes it's just a misunderstanding yep. that like I really need to take the time to communicate with this motherfucker. Sure. And if they don't want to be communicated with or if there's a breakdown in comprehension that if I try to communicate with them and I did my best, then I just need to punch this pilot, wash my hands and fucking tip mm-hmm. the fuck out the room. Like, yep. okay, I did my best. I tried to communicate with you. Um, you know, there are times when it's like I have to, there's the email thread where it's back and forth, back and forth. And I go like, okay, well, then I said this, and I said this, and I said this, and I said this. Therefore, I drew these conclusions because uh, you reacted in this and this and this and this. So to try and stay more um, level-headed, more calm, more chill about it, and just look at it like in a very Spock kind of fashion mm-hmm. uh, has helped me a lot rather than going like, that son of a bitch said what? Like mm-hmm. I, I need to like I need yeah. to cap him now. Like rather than that, it's it's more an issue of of like where was the breakdown in communication? What do I need to where where might I be at fault for not communicating? Mm-hmm. And how can I diffuse the situation? No, and that part I think is um, yeah you're totally right. And there's something about being strategic in communication that's not just being a cynical asshole who's trying to manipulate people. Is about 
how to use communication in the most effective way possible as opposed to thinking because it makes you feel good to say those words you know i was watching i was watching some video of like some crazy lady going off on this dude on like a road rage type of thing right and the guy was clearly in the right because the lady's crazy and abusive and very kind of hateful and all of that and at one point like he says something that's clearly making her tone down a little bit where she's going from 110 rage to 70 rage you know she's still pretty out there but she's like clearly she he hit the right spot and she's toning down a little bit and then he goes something like but why are you so full of hatred? And I'm just like, okay, I, before I even look at her face, I can already tell you that her rage is going to go up to 120 <laughs> right now. Right, yeah. What the fuck you think is going to be the result of you saying that? Yeah, that is actually a good question in the great scheme of things. Is why is this crazy bitch so crazy? But do you really think that in that moment that's she's going to respond well to that? Like, I think sometimes people play these games where they don't think what it would be like if somebody said those words to them and they are in that place. Mm-hmm. And I think in half of the conversation, you can know where the conversation is going to go based on if somebody said that to me, how would I respond? Oh, I would get angry and defensive. Yeah. So if you say to them, why do you think that they are not going to get angry and defensive? You know, he's that, like, but that, that, I think the, the, a lot of people do that shit because they want to be heard. Mm-hmm, they just want to hear the sound of their own voice. Yep. They want to have the feeling that someone was listening to them. So like they just just shoot off some bullshit at the mouth. Mm-hmm. And then like. If they didn't, if the person that hears your shit didn't react properly, it's their fucking. It's their fault. fault. Ex- yeah. Even worse is like sometimes it's not that you are saying bullshit. You're saying maybe the right thing. It's true. You have a good point. But clearly, that's not the way you're gonna reach that person. Mm-hmm. So you take a principal position of like, well, I'm right, so I'm gonna say it how I mean it, as opposed to how can I go around this obstacle and figure out a way to mellow out this person enough lower their defenses where we can actually communicate right, right. there's a con- no yeah. no contextual Critical. awareness no none whatsoever yeah. and and in that sense there's something about strategy that is a good thing is like how do we not in a manipulative i want to screw you over strategy mm-hmm. but strategy in a how do we have a conversation if i see that there's a stumbling block that there are a fucking wall and there's no talking in let's assume that the problem is with the other person rather than with oneself for that second even if it is their problem what are you gonna do about it to try to because they are not gonna lower the wall just because how can you help them lower the wall so that you can have a good interaction you know what can you do and and i don't think most people think that way which is is not oh you're not being nice is you're not you're just being stupid because you're not being nice to yourself because the first person that's gonna be is that this other person is gonna be mad at you and be all like so it's is even it's not an issue of selfishness it's an issue of stupidity in this regard mm-hmm. I think and in relation to that one of the things that's helped me everything from ridiculous online arguments where I I keep getting into them because I I go back and forth between stepping out and going you know what screw it i'm not going to talk to people on facebook and wherever uh-huh. about all these important issues it doesn't matter i'm being ridiculous and then also saying well but it is, does matter because it affects society and we're all working this stuff out and i should have a voice um but one of the things that really really has helped me and to not be so full of anxiety about it and upset about these conflicts is is instead of 
coming at things with going after what I hate and what pisses me off mm-hmm. is just fighting for the things that I believe in and the things that really turn me on and do good things. And right. if I go, and even in just within the argument, if I always go at that and go, well, what's my point? Am I worried about the safety of the children? Am I worried about what? I, let's let's go in that direction and always make it that way. And try and associate with people that way versus attacking them on like, oh, you're an idiot here, you're an idiot there, or I don't agree with you here. Don't don't fight, you know, you don't fight evil and thing at its own game. It's gonna win. You, mm-hmm. know, you go with the source of what matters to you and what's and what's you know feels right and good. Whining versus working. Yeah. 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 And I think that makes it that makes a huge difference. And I'm still terrible at it, but I'm. I'm working at it. <laughs> no, I know what you mean because sometimes I do. I do the same thing. I just put too much attention on things that I'm opposed to and things that I'm critical of, mm-hmm. as opposed to putting as much time and energy into the things that I want to put on the positive end. Yeah, I think is um, it's a lot easier to have a good impact on everyone around us by switching where the focus goes. Yeah. and not that you need to deny that you know certain sure. things you don't like. But why do you, are you why are you talking about them? Yeah. Why there are ten thousand good things out there? Why are you focusing on the one that just pissing you off? Now, once in a while, sure, you need to vent, you need to make a point. You, I get it, mm-hmm. but not as a default mode. Not is yeah. because yeah. uh, otherwise you just become a fucking whiner all the time. Yeah, right. And, and you're angry all the time, and every... you and you may be right, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's not very exactly. Yeah. And you know, I'm saying it, but. I do that, so yeah. it's not like I'm saying it from, oh, you know, you guys should... No, I'm. Yeah. that's a mistake I often make. Sure. I think it, it takes... you got to keep working on it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a lifelong effort. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. even just to surrounding yourself with the right people. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, I came down here. I hate... I fucking hate getting on planes. I really do. I don't know why. It's completely illogical. Fucking hate it. I hate being away from my family, my my wife, my kid, my dog. I just it drives me crazy. But I came down because I wanted to spend time with positive, good people that, you know, what I don't want to get too new agey sounding about or whatever, but people that you know ha- have a good impact and they're they're fighting for a, a good thing. You know that. It just that makes all the difference in the world versus just sitting around and, and bitching and complaining about you know and not presenting any solutions and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's important to be around good people. That recharge though that you're talking about, that's super crucial because it's like what gives you the motivation, what gives you the verve, what gives you that fucking mm-hmm. like pizzazz to go mm-hmm. do the shit that you do that no one else can do as well as you do. And it's being able to have that hang time around people that that motivate you that inspire mm-hmm. you that guide you that, yeah. that that will cover your back yeah no That's absolutely it. i agree and i think it's one of the things that often we lack in human interaction that is always because we're so hard pressed for time there's always a why are we meeting you know we meet for a reason there's we do something there's that and instead just there's an enormous value in just sharing time with certain human beings because they have that quality that anything they do just being around them will help you, will put you in a better mood, will help your frame of mind. Then you can do it for them. It's like it becomes a positive exchange. And so much of the time instead is just functional. Is uh, yeah. you know, from this time to this time, uh, I'm doing this activity. From this time to this time. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. That's great. But there's also more to it. Right. Too much agenda. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's uh, that I think is the being too busy disease you know when it's just too mm-hmm. too many things at once not enough time in the day because i have noticed it on myself when like sometimes i'm hanging out with somebody for purely for fun 
for no other reason and my brain is so used to being on the every minute counts i need to do this i need to do that i'm behind with this that i'm like hey this is 12 to 1 this is my fun time you know it's been it's 12 to it's 12 15 right now and i'm not having crazy fun yet so what the fuck are we gonna have fun now or what it's like (laughs) make it fun you bastard this is my fun time and he's like yeah that's not the way it works you know in organic it goes on a whole you need to put the clock away you need to relax you need to be able to actually just let things spontaneously happen a little more. It's a tough lesson for some people to learn. Yeah, it's very difficult, especially when every other moment of the day you're being pulled. That's why like meditating becomes so hard, right? Because it's like you don't want to slow down and do nothing when every other moment you're like, not enough time, not enough time, run around. And you're like the, you guys... Well, you guys all have daughters, so the actually I realize right now four of us in this room, every single one has a daughter. That's a trip right there. God help us. <laughs> Funny yeah. The you guys have watched uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know the mm-hmm. the bunny with with the clock. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, mm-hmm. and it's like sometimes I feel that way. It's like, yeah, I was getting ready to say yeah. that. I I resemble that remark sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's um it's not a fun way to live. It's yeah. uh, and granted, you know, it's cool when your days are full of good things to do. At the same time, there's quite a value in just slowing down and just doing. Absolutely. I'm just gonna get less done. Oh yeah. That that, that yeah. brings an idea to mind that you know we're talking about sports training and sports performance that a lot of people work on work a lot on accelerating right mm-hmm. like how do I jump higher how do I yeah. you know sprint faster how do I accelerate sooner, um, and it turns out that. It's not that we're lacking the ability to get faster off the blocks. It's that a lot of the injuries happen because we're, we suck at slowing down. We can't mm-hmm. decelerate. So th- imagine this. You've got a car, like fucking badass, like one of the fast and furious cars. It goes from zero to 60 in like less than three seconds, but now you can't brake for shit. Right. <laughs> yep. And I mean, not to give it away, but I think that may have happened at some point in time in one of those movies. Um, but anyway... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're having that happen on a social, societal level, too. Like, you know, you're go, 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 I got to do this, this, everything's high pressure, everything's high intensity. And then it's like, okay, we have 30 minutes now that the kids are away, like, let's fuck. And you're like, wait a minute, you've Mm -hmm. been up my ass all week, nagging me, like, to no end. And now there's time for intimacy, but whatever happened to smoothing out all that other shit that went on all the rest of the week outside of these 30 minutes yeah. and you want to like do a 180 yeah. right hmm yeah well, that's not quite the way it works yeah. i agree i mean people are making a ton of work for themselves and thing i mean I, my whole thing lately is just eliminating i mean coming from i used to do video productions and i was mostly an editor and coming from an editor's standpoint i'm trying to edit my life so hard these days you know anything that i haven't touched in a year gets given away um, you know, get rid of, you know, don't turn on notifications on Facebook on my phone, you know, turn on, you know, no one to turn it off. All these things just to eliminate, eliminate, eliminate until I actually have some peace and, and quiet again, you know, where it's, cause we just, we make all these busy things for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a, a lot of it's just, it's not really helping anything. It's just, it seems like the thing to do and. And, you know, I think you got you to get away from that. And I think it goes back to kind of the yin-yang balance between opposites that we are bringing up earlier for other reasons in this regard. Is there something really damn valuable about having a drive and pushing hard and doing a million things that you're passionate about 
and putting the energy to transform a nice idea into reality. You know, there's something awesome about that. Um, and and there's also something awesome in the exact opposite. In yeah. slowing down, smell the roses, don't do too much, don't yeah. try to overachieve. Yeah. And it really becomes, it's not that one path is right and one is wrong. It's just a matter of balance. It's sometimes yeah. you push too hard one way. Yeah. It's time to slow down. Okay, now you're turning into a lazy bastard. It's like, I appreciate that you smell the flowers, but that's all you fucking do. Get something done once in a while. It's like, right. let's right. And yeah. so it's like that going back and forth constantly between this, oh, I'm falling a little too much on this side. Now let's balance it out the other side. And yeah. I think it's key. And it's, I think... In, yeah, I think the freedom the freedom to be able to, to do the shit that you love, but also the awareness to know when you're slacking yeah. past the point of productivity, past the point of... of of what's the right word I'm looking for recovery mm-hmm. sure right yeah when you when you when you're aware enough to say like okay I'm pushing it too hard while I love this shit it's and it's a high every moment that I'm involved in it but god I'm burnt out all the mm-hmm. time I'm teetering on adrenal fatigue or whatever yep mm-hmm. that awareness that kind of okay I, I need to take responsibility and slow shit down a little bit mm-hmm. and decelerate versus like okay I'm I'm just like cold chilling doing a lot of nothing and treating that like it's my occupation yeah like no no no. you need to be productive but then you also need to get off your ass and mm-hmm. investigate what moves you enough so that you naturally want to go do those things yep. yeah and sometimes you just, you've got to find yeah where those areas are i mean i had i, I was talking about, about this earlier but um it, where I, I mean, three or four months ago even i was almost ready to quit my own company i mean i was just I was dealing with all the things that I hated, dealing with manufacturing problems and, and different little areas that are not they're not what I got into the company for, you know, and I have to do them because I don't, I don't have enough money to, to necessarily hire everybody sure. for every little thing I don't want to do. I mean, I'm, I, a few things I have, but not everything, and I started getting buried in that, and I went, God, I, I yeah, here I am, Mr. Dazisar, I've escaped the sour worker's life, I've got this, what seems like a cool job, but I'm, I'm still waking up dreading the day, going, oh no, what am I going to deal with? So, you know, I had to really stop and slow down and go, right, there's a lot of nonsense that I'm dealing with that that doesn't, it's not really getting me to where I want to be, and I need, and I need to focus on things that that I'm good at, that, that, that are actually going to get the company somewhere, like designing new bags, stuff like that, versus, you know, getting caught up in, in the little things that will drive me, the little busy work, you know, I need to be, I need to be effective rather than efficient, mm-hmm. you yep. know, and it's, it, it's, it's so easy, even in the best of jobs, even in your little dream job, if you don't watch what you're doing, you can make yourself miserable real quick. Speaking of jobs that can be the dream job and make you miserable... So do tell me about your daughters. Oh, shit! <laughs> Both of you guys have uh, <laughs> expressed quite vocally in posting and stuff uh, some challenges that you guys have been dealing with. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, on one end, it's, hey, amazing kids. This is awesome. Yeah. And then it's like other parts a little less in both of your cases they are very very young right i mean yeah how old my my daughter's barely about to turn 16 months and i mean it it, really the the early part was the hardest for me and that that's what took me aback is the first six months or so when she was just to me just a little larva you know i 
I didn't. She just wanted food, and she yeah. cried, and there's no personality really, and it. I didn't, and I never found babies to be cute, like real little babies. Right. I'm just, I'm, I love dogs to death, and to this day, I mean, I love my daughter, but I still, my dog is the most adorable <laughs> thing ever. But, uh, but she's, she's a sweetheart, and she's getting close. So, but, uh, but yeah, just that first six months. Oh God, that was hard. I couldn't yeah. believe how much I could be upset at this little, this little innocent thing. Yeah, and that was. That was tough, but you know, the further she gets along and the more personality develops yeah. and everything, it's great. But you know, I, I've heard I can't remember if it was God if it was Brian Kalen or whatever, but it was it uh, it was somebody else. But anyway, they were talking about oh yeah, sure, people bitch about parenthood being the hardest job. No, it's not as hard. You're not working coal mine. Shut the fuck up. And and I and I agree with that to a point. But there's a mental sort of instability that taking care of a kid all the time that create oh, yeah. that can create and fuck right. it, it'll fuck with you in ways that you just really can't imagine until you're there and it's it's beyond the sleep deprivation and everything else but it's there's something about it and you can't get anything and i mean i and i the company suffered for a little while because I, I mean it it made it okay because of my principles and what i had in order but i mean i didn't get shit done for the last year or so and i'm just now getting back to it because it's constant interruption. I'm kind of like Mr. Mom at home trying to run the company and take care of the kids. My wife's at work, and it's, yeah, it's been tough. But, you know, the more personality they get and the more they turn into, like, you know, little people and you can see that look in their eye, that spark, and they know who you are and all that stuff, that, that you know, that, do, that does make up for it. But, God damn, it's not easy. And I got to tell you, if I didn't have, if I wasn't financially secure enough and all that stuff, I'd never fucking do it. And we can barely... I, maybe I'm a little selfish, but we can barely handle the one. I don't know how people like Richie got three kids. I mean, I Fuck. I don't know how you do it. We got one, and my me and my wife are both like, that's good. We're, we're right. two so We can barely handle just that much trouble. So, yeah, when you start thinking, uh, you know, coal mining, well, I mean, there's a lot of coal and all, but <laughs> still, it's like, that's when you know, yeah, it's pretty hard. Yeah. But. <laughs> How old is you? Oh, sorry. Uh, so my daughter's 237 months. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, there's going to be a moment when you realize it'll be quite awesome if she had somebody to entertain her inside the family unit that's not you or your wife. Oh, yeah. But the thing they never warn you about is it's you think, yeah, one, two, that's double. No, no. no. You're talking exponential yeah. that's told expansion. Me. Yeah, they all have the second child, and they go, no, 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 it's not one plus one. It's one plus one equals, you know, ten. They don't yeah. entertain each other at all. Oh, no, no, they do, but they also fight, and they're also, you know, then you become more right. referee yeah. at times. Oh. Yeah. And then when you step up to three. Oh, fuck that. Well, now you got teens. Yeah. So at certain times and certain ways, these two are against that yeah. one. It's a wild, wild thing. And by God, if you're waiting to be able to afford it, mm-hmm. just forget it. Well, Cause you sure. never. There's no way you could ever sit down with an accountant. I mean, uh, Warren Buffett would be like, no, fuck it. We just can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a different thing. But, uh, I, you know, I'm at the whole other end of it right now where watching them leave. And yeah. by the end of the summer, all my kids will be out of the house. Wow. Is the most painful thing I have ever done in my life. No shit. Well, the daughter was the hardest one. I took Emily up to go to school. Your daughter's the the youngest? She's the middle. Middle, okay. So I got a son on each side of her, which is perfect because one wouldn't let her date her friends and the other would narc her out. So (laughs) that's a pretty good construction. But, you know, you work all this time to make sure she's okay and safe. And then you take her and throw her into a strange city and tell her good luck and drive the other way. You want to talk about a long drive home. 
bet. And it was the point where, like, I even spent an extra day, you know, we uh, we probably should get you a, uh, a recycle bin. You don't have a recycle bin for your apartment. <laughs> How could we possibly, <laughs> you know, let you loose in the world without that? It is the easily the hardest thing I've ever done. Wow. But yeah. now she's up and running, and it's great, and, you I know, she's it. got an awesome life, and yeah. that's what it's all about. I think I told you earlier, yeah. Neil Gaiman wrote a book called... Oh, some of the graveyard book or something. And he said he took 20 years for him to write the book because he didn't understand. It was about a boy that was left behind and the ghost mm-hmm. of the graveyard took care of him. But he said he tried to write this book over and over, and it wasn't until his kids left that he realized that's what it was all about. Parenting properly executed means your children will leave as soon as they possibly can because you've made free spirits that want to go experience the world for themselves. This is why I like my dog so much. Yeah, fuck. In that case, yeah, fuck parenting (laughs) properly executed. That's But Mark is about to, I don't know, blow a vein in his forehead or something. It's just no, like, dude, I just want to go to sleep. Uh, no, no, let me seriously like my just thinking about my daughter like shit. I, my son when he was an infant could cry and scream and all that shit and it was like it was cool. Like something about his sound was not so um overwhelming to me. Like mm-hmm. it's just not like, "Oh, poor little baby, let me hold you, I'll rock you to sleep." With her, there's something about her scream that even as she like as a newborn was so angry so shitty so like mm-hmm. like i heard that shit last night dude it, it, it yeah yeah chris I, was staying over at my crib last night mm-hmm. and, and dude you got you got the light in yeah, because she a, wasn't on a tone in there you know. it's a fucking hateful tone uh-huh. yeah, and like, and you know for those of you that have you know seen my posts on instagram or whatever where like <laughs> you know i post post up a vid clip because some people are like man he's just being a dick no babies cry is that terrible mm-hmm. and then some of the I people understand. that said that shit like after i posted that instagram vid clip they're like god damn now i understand mm-hmm. um so, I told, <laughs> told you bitches so you have yeah. a demon child okay that's <laughs> go to the, the yeah. you ever get any colic in there um, from her, I don't know. I think, I, I, you know, my son had a little bit of colic. That's pretty, you know, when you're going on hour three, that can be... No, I, we with her, she's just mad. She, her, her shit is just, she's angry. Mm. Like, she, she's, like, when she cries, it's, it's, it's not like the, I'm in pain cry, it's the fuck you cry. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, when you try and hold her and console her and, and chill her out, uh, like I remember, even as a newborn, there was times when it's like I'm, 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 my wife had to step out, go to a meeting, or do whatever, and I'm, you know, oh yeah, no worries, my baby, I got the baby, no, no worries, I got. <laughs> and as soon as Mika smelled that her mom had left the house, she went ape shit, and she stayed going ape shit for like, oh fuck, had to have been like 25, 30 minutes of just nonstop wait. Like I came back in, it's like tears and snot everywhere. Yeah. Like, but I had to put her down in the middle of the mat. Be- this was before she could crawl or roll over or whatever. I had to put her down in the middle of the mat and walk away because the sound was so intense mm. that I could literally feel like every muscle along my spine was about ready to rip my rip itself right off. Yeah. Your monkey brain, uh, there's something about it. It clicks. I, 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 yeah. Mm, That's right. Bad. Every time. Oh. No, it's, it's supposedly the sound of a baby crying played in reverse is the most 
bothersome sound in reverse. Yeah. God, I'm dude, shit. Like if Mika, uh, like yeah, I can't imagine that because Mika like just played forward and shit is like weaponized sound. Right. No, (laughs) dude. Seriously, like I told some of my buddies that were on deployment. Dude, seriously, I told some of my buddies that that were serving. I was like, yo, if I listen to this stuff, if I had to listen to it and there was no out, no liquor, like I couldn't have it, have any of my vodka or whatever, Mm. just have to listen to it nonstop, no escape. On regular volume for 30 minutes, <laughs> you could put me butt naked in the middle of Tikrit and I'd be ready to waste everybody. Mm-hmm. I can right now hear Dick Cheney listening somewhere, taking notes, like yeah. he's because clearly Dick Cheney listened all, to the drunken Taoist all the time. But in he this can. moment, he's like, wait. I think we finally have a way to crack Guantanamo. We, right. we know how to take care of business. So Don't you may get a request from the CIA to have a recording of Mika's crying. And Fuck. I keep sending you the message that I think like some really heavy uh, earphones that you play opera with <laughs> while she start crying. And so you can see her go, ah, and you're listening. Oh, all this. Dude, no lie. Like when she cries, like even after she's done crying, I feel like. I've never felt, I swear to God, I've never felt this before, but it feels like there's heat coming out of the inside of my ear. Like my ears yeah. are seriously like they're burning. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 the shit blows my mind. And it's like my first, my first child was not like that at all. So like, if you ever want, um, an effective means of birth control, like go find oh, those yeah. clips on my, on my site yeah. or on my Facebook page, listen to that shit. And there you go. That would take care. What do you think? Like, do you believe, and again, obviously this is a norm. Nobody can know the actual answer to this, but as far as belief and feel, do you feel that there's a soul there in kids that they each, from day one, come out with their own unique, weird thing that has nothing to do with you? Do you feel that it's... Definitely. Yeah? Definitely. Because uh, I've heard that from from parents that have been very consistent about raising their kids a certain Uh way. So it's like if you're consistent on the front end and on and all the way through, like you've got a cookie cutter fashion of how you raise your kids. But every single kid, you you go like, it's not the method. The kids mm-hmm. are born with a certain personality. There's like a, there's a certain kind of soul that's in them. I, I you know looking at at how squealy my son was versus my daughter, holy shit. Night like, and day. I'm- he's the nicest, most loving, most affectionate kid, and was that way since day one. She's the one that's like. You know, he'll lean in to try and give her a kiss, and she'll throw a right cross. Wow. <laughs> uh, no lie. No lie. That's not an exaggeration. How old is she now? Two and a half. One and a half. Yeah. <laughs> She's a scary motherfucker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the scary two-year-old, huh? Oh, it's good. Yeah. Is I'm, it changing at all? Like, the thing that Chris was saying, like, over time, getting a little easier, mm-hmm. do you notice that happening? Um, now that I have more Zubrovka vodka in my bar, yes, it's it's more it's more tolerable for me. But because Zubrovka and I don't have an agreement yet, god damn it, um, yes, there I, there are moments when I can manage it, and moments when I do not manage it. Right. So, yeah. No, but really, I think there's some. She's communicating more, which right. is kind of nice. But sometimes how she communicates is angry. Like there's mm. that. There's that entitled kind of fuck you thing and it's like yeah. uh, you know i i that wasn't part of my son's vibe yep you know so no i mean there's something to be said there because is i remember times when um i literally thought you know i now i every time when you read the news about some crazy motherfucker who shook their baby to that you're like jesus you're a horrible human being and of course they are horrible human beings there's no possible way to spin it in a good way 
But there was a moment where suddenly I was like, you know what? I still think you're a horrible human being, but now I understand, at least. I understand where it comes from. <laughs> that moment where you're like, God damn it, children! And you're going insane. I'm like, okay, I can see how somebody who's kind of a damn fuck to begin with would just cross the threshold and really go you know, in a dark, ugly place. Because, sure. yeah, man, there's um, it's an interesting... Yeah, when you think you have your shit together... Having an infant who doesn't give a fuck about mm-hmm. who you are, your personality, what you think oh, yeah. about yourself, just let you have it and just unleash on you. It's a test of where you're at, that's for sure. Because, uh, yeah, there are times when, um, yeah, when it gets, but I do see what, like, the thing that Chris is saying of, like, stuff gets progressively easier over time. I really feel that, like, every year it's, like, exponentially easier than the year before. I hope so. Maybe or, until they hit a teenager. I don't know, oh, Rich. Fuck, I mean, dude. you could tell me that. Yeah, we'll check in with Chris when 12 hits. That's when all sorts of interesting things happen. Mm, I, um, yeah. I'll i be dead by then. I put so. it to you this way. Nobody <laughs> warned me that the first 10 years was merely a warm-up. Mm-hmm. Fuck, dude. Mm. But yeah. before you know it, the house will be empty, and you're sitting there watching fucking Jeopardy, waiting for the Grim Reaper to come get you, and that's all that's left. <laughs> Shit, I better start the GoFundMe now, dude, so like 10 years from now, I can like at least afford to cremate myself. <laughs> I, I, I will totally, because this is getting dark, so I'm not shaking the babies. Um, did anybody see the guy who plays the mountain on Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah. Through that fucking kettlebell? 60-pound kettlebell, 19 feet in the air. He's a strong motherfucker. That's the, It broke like the all-time record. Like The day before, they had this thing. It was a 1,500-pound log that, in history, the most steps yeah. anybody had ever taken was four. Yep. And he went five. Just rocked it. Jesus. But I can't even imagine. Shit. 19 feet. And then, is there somebody in charge of getting everybody out of the way? Because, goddamn, <laughs> there it is, bang! That's that's one of those self-limiting things, you know, people... <laughs> self-correcting, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they aren't even... They are not allowed to judge. Well, speaking of Game of Thrones, I saw the other day a skit where the actor who played Jon Snow was on. I forget who the hell it was. I saw it on YouTube, so I didn't see wherever program it was. But they have this... Uh, why Jon Snow is the worst guest dinner guest ever. And, you know, he's having dinner with... <laughs> family in New York and all these people and he's like so uh, do you have a good relationship with your dad and he's like he got his head chopped off and then he goes to kind of the whole it's fucking hilarious I was dying watching it it was just great winter is coming yeah winter is coming spring is great he's like winter is coming it was awesome (laughs) but in any case Um, quick thing Mark do tell I saw that you just released a new DVD Tell us about it. Oh, yes. Um, Hacking the Hinge just came out with uh, my colleague, Dr. Charlie Weingroff. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hinge, you know, it's funny. People are like, why did you choose the name Hacking the Hinge? Um, and a lot of people are like, what the fuck is the Hinge? The Hinge in the human body, if you look at it, as far as like biomechanics goes, would be at the hips. Right. So like the hips are a joint where a lot of motion should come from. Uh, if you look at how a lot of people bend down to pick heavy shit up or move or to sit or to, you know, how we sit, how we stand, how we run, there are a lot of people that move more from their lumbar spines than they do from their hips. Because the lumbar spine, those joints aren't meant to have as great a range of motion compared to the hips. Mm-hmm. The inability or lack of understanding of how to use the hinge, how to use the hinge hip, uh, the hip hinge rather, um, causes a lot of lower back issues, causes a lot of, of premature wear and tear, disability, 
things like that. So with Hacking the Hinge, what Dr. Weingroff and I wanted to do was look at ways of teaching people like, here are the things that you should be able to do. Here are, th- here are ways to assess whether or not you're moving in ways in, in ways that honor that. Mm-hmm. So is the primary point of movement, is that primary fulcrum of movement your lumbar spine or are, or are you using your hips? And so with using with the hacking the hinge, we teach ways of, of strengthening the postural muscles that hold the lumbar spine while teaching people uh, how to access that movement in their hips better so that they're able to lift more, run longer. Basically making them train in a way that shouldn't burn them out, but should actually feed their longevity. Mm-hmm. What a concept right there. Train in a way that doesn't hurt you. What? Well, Chris, actually, I, you know, Chris, you should, I, if you wouldn't mind speaking on that, because you went through that this morning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have definitely some lower back issues that have been plaguing me a while, and my, I've got a little bit of a knee issue as well. But, I mean, yeah, going through everything with Mark and going through, you know, these detailed, the proper stance, the right muscles to flex at the right time, all these little things that, I mean, people have showed me kettlebell swings before, but never really explained so that I understood what the hell I was doing and why. Just, you know, little simple things, and that should have been there but once again yeah people miss these things and uh but going through that like i said yeah i was lifting yeah i was doing more more reps more weight less damage i'm sitting here now i can't even tell that i worked out which is really weird i expected to be completely burnt by the time we got here because we were going at it for hours and um and yeah it, it feels good so i mean there's 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 a huge value on that. I mean, that's, that's one just... day of working on it. That's pretty nuts, the fact that you already see results yeah. in the regard. It's that... nice. I feel like now I could actually go home and, and do these things properly, too, because I've got kettlebells sitting in the house, like I'm sure you know a lot of people might. And uh, But I've probably been you know I've been doing a crappy job with them, and sometimes I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've hurt myself trying to use them. So it's, yeah, it's just so having that really, really good instruction, you know, is just it's critical i mean it's just made a huge difference in just this little time i've spent so yeah thank you awesome man uh, that's perfect are you thinking of doing uh downloadable versions where people can um, i think there is a downloadable actually is already one. for hacking okay. the Hinge. Um, perfect. and certainly you can get the dvd at movement movementlectures.com Great. um but I, I think the one sound bite that that is super important that relates to hacking the hinge and certainly to to me as far as all training if your workout makes you feel fucked afterwards, you you didn't train, you tested. Mm-hmm. You know, and if your body isn't ready for that level of testing, then you're going to be hurt. Right. Uh, good training should make you feel better. You should perform stronger. So it's like when you're done your work, when you're done your training session, you should be lifting more weight. You should be feeling better. You should be moving better. Your ranges of motion should be stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than leaving you feeling like I need uh, three days to recover from yeah, that shit. Course. That's not, that's, you know, people need yeah. to flip the script, that mental f- script as far as what training is. Sure. And, and understand that productivity isn't like how hard you sweat. It isn't how beat you feel. It's how well do you move and how strong are you. Yeah. And it's, I got to say some of the stuff he was working with me on, I mean, it's, it's correcting things that I've had crappy since you know, freshman in high school or something where I was, you know, hated everybody, was a bit of a stoner, and I just slouched the wrong way, and I walked the wrong way, and my 
feet are screwed up and we're at most Western, you know, solution. I get some orthotics, do all this stuff, but I mean, just working on stuff with Mark in, in kettlebells is correcting things that I've had screwed up for so many years, but it's actually going to correct it as opposed to just, you know, treating the symptoms. So, That's great. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, so like kind of putting really an orthotic nice. inside your foot rather than, yes. you know, relying, making your foot reliant on an external orthotic. Yeah. Which I much, I'm all about not being weak and, and working with what you got. So yeah, it's good stuff. Beautiful. I love it. Any um, Twitters, anything that you guys, uh, where can people find you? Uh, my Twitter handle handle is drmarkcheng.com. So D R M A R K C H E N G. Actually, not .com, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's my website. For Datsusar, I mean, it's you know we we sponsor the show, so I'm sure you guys get plenty of it. Yeah, but yeah it's a, you know it's dsgear.com, um, and and just to remind you, it's it's Datsusara. <laughs> so so many people get it wrong. Below, you're one of the few people that gets it right. A lot of people say Datsura. That's it's 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 more of a dot, not a dat. So um, you know, it's anyway. funny. I think there's something between um, like Japanese. The mm-hmm. way, like, learning how to speak Italian and pronouncing the letters the way they are in Italian, yeah. perfectly translate if I read it in, uh, like, uh, anglicized version of Japanese, if mm-hmm. I see the word not in, Jap- in characters, but in actual how they spell it. Mm-hmm. Usually you can pronounce it. Most, 95% of the time you'll pronounce it right. I yeah. have no idea why there's such a similarity there, because they're obviously so far apart in so many ways. Yeah. But yeah, Japanese words, no problem. Just about every tonal language there is makes me want to shoot myself, oh, yeah. you know, because it's like That's so. I yeah, love Mandarin, but I was telling my girl, I was like, I'd love yeah, to learn it, but it's 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 good hard. luck, yeah, right? Yeah, Japanese, why but it's um, yeah. you need more Zubrovka, and then it'll be easier. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I get there, but yeah, Datsusara. So anyway, but yeah, and on Twitter we're DS Gear, and I think on Instagram too. But I, I really, I I'm terrible at self promotion, so it's you're a terrible capitalist. You're terrible at self promotion. Really you reply to people email. You fix their gear. <laughs> you what the hell and uh, oh, I know. completely backwards. Yeah, well, make shit that lasts too long. What the fuck? Yeah. Is something wrong with me? Tamed micro ninjas. Yeah. yeah, micro ninjas. Thank you for keeping the micro ninjas going. I'm like, man, I, I gotta work with that. That's that's a great thing. It's all so, you, baby. Yeah, yeah and um, and sponsors us of all things. Oh, yeah. So happy to. What a sweet human being. I, every time I actually get a minute and I get to listen to the podcast, and I hear you guys talk, I'm like, I just, ah, I just, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Nice, so awesome. We deeply appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. everybody the funky music only means one thing that that's the end and it's time to wrap up another great episode of the drunken Taoist podcast episode 65 in the books hope you enjoyed it thanks so much to mark and chris this thing is running really long so i'm just gonna tear through these really quick be sure to check out some drunken Taoist t-shirts on the drunken they're there search them out click them order them wear them they're awesome the Nietzsche shirt, the original Dionysian parade, or the main logo. You know, if you don't watch out, your Fours t-shirt will be here before we know it. Amazing how time flies. Only about six episodes left till we begin year four. <sighs> Folks that have been around for a long time with us are affiliate sponsors, Corkow Chocolate and Audible. You can check about them in the episode notes. You know what to do. Click, join, save. 
The Amazon link is also available through the Drunken Taos website. The way that works is you have to actually go through the portal of the website and then do some ordering with Amazon. That's the way it links. We get a taste of that awesome corporate blood money, and you guys don't pay anything extra. So it's an awesome way to help support the show. costs you nothing extra and takes a little away from those Amazon folks who are doing us such kindness. So this extended episode is time to get out of here. Please keep spreading the word. We thank you so much for your listenership. Having said thank you to all of these good folks, I would say, well, while we are at it, let's say a quick thank you also to Daisy House for providing the music. And we'll see you in 14 days. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. questo cazzo in questo caso le provvidenza di dio Duncan showed you the way eh? oh man isn't that scary to think nice so don't kill people do that instead <laughs> this was great it's fucking awesome and I love this conversation did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent it just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about can you translate for me please I believe the word was Tombstone yeah that one exactly <laughs> Just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.